You're listening to the Conversations with Kids Peace podcast. Advice, information, and inspiration from experts at the leading provider of mental and behavioral health services for children, adults, and those who love them. Now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to our podcast series, Conversations with Kids Peace. I'm Bob Martin. Have you ever heard about something happening in your community or the society at large and said, Oh, I could never do that. I'm really glad somebody is, but I could never do it. Well, for many, the idea of becoming a foster parent probably falls into that category. To mark May as National Foster Care Month, we have two guests whose job it is to find ways to convince people to take that leap of faith and decide to foster. Brian Hofstetter is a family resource specialist in Kids Peace's foster care office in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and Rebecca Cade is a training specialist based out of Kids Peace's office in Williamsport, PA. Welcome to you both. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Bob. Brian, let me start with you. How would you describe the role of a family resource specialist in the foster care system? Um, the role of the family resource specialist is to kind of work with the new interested people coming into the program. But I really need to know the entire program. Um, I have to understand what the caseworker's job is, what the manager's job is, you know, what the kids' needs are, what the court system does, um, so that I can really explain to families, you know, this is what, what it's all about. Um, so I get to, uh, you know, kind of know the whole program and then to really help people kind of become a part of it. Uh, it's really exciting to go out and meet with people in the home and community. You see a lot of different people. Uh, and part of my job is to really help them identify what are their strengths and needs and how they can best work with the children. Now, uh, we were talking before we, uh, we began recording here that you have been with Kids Peace for more than 30 years. And first of all, let me tell you, you don't look it. Uh, I think you, but I'm wondering in that time frame if you can highlight some of the most significant changes that you've seen in terms of foster care from when you started to today. No, there's been significant changes in foster care in the last 30 years. When I first started, you had children really remaining in foster care for long periods of time, so for years and years, and even some children kind of aging out. Um, And really, foster care was not meant to be a permanent situation. It was just kind of temporary. So that in the the 1990s, um, the Adoption and Safe Families Act really said, look, these children deserve some kind of sense of permanency so that we saw children being moved through the system you know, quickly, or quicker anyway, so that within a year, year and a half, two years, really we needed to get those children and families reunited or to find some kind of permanent home through adoption so that the, the number of foster children going on to permanent adoptive homes kind of grew during that time. And then in um, about 2008, there was the Fostering Success and Increasing Adoptions Act, which at that point really kind of said these parents aren't just foster or adoptive, but we're all kind of resource parents, that we're all providing services for the children. So whether you're fostering, whether you're adopting, and there was a real increase in what they call kinship care, that there are relatives of the children, um, maybe grandparents, great aunts, uncles, cousins, to family friends, Uh, Community people, coaches, teachers have gone on to be um, resource parents for these children so that these children kind of maintain some kind of connection, that it wasn't just you're going to a new home, this is somebody strange, maybe somebody you you don't know, a community you don't know. 
so that this really meant to increase those connections for the children. There was a big increase in trying to keep siblings together. It was always good practice, but now, you know, they said that unless there's a reason, you know, we need to keep brothers and sisters together. That's a big bond. There's no reason to break kids up just because they can't live with a parent. It, it sounds like it's been very positive, actually, from, from those legislative efforts. There's been, yeah, a number of positive changes in the last three years. Uh, there's a new law that's out about um, the activities and experience of children in out-of-home care, so that now foster parents have a, or resource parents have a greater role in making decisions related to the children to provide some sense of normalcy, so that we're seeing foster children you know, get involved in your typical childhood things, you know, getting involved in sports teams, going to a friend's house, going on vacation without having to ask permissions. It just seems so fascinating, I think, to, to folks like myself who may not be as familiar with it as, as you guys are, that um, there, there are all those things that you just sort of assume happen with a child or with someone caring for a child. And, and it sounds like we're evolving to the point that the kids are not having to take a, um, to not having to forego that kind of experience. Right, because we, we found we were, we were doing the children a disservice. You know, they get to reach adulthood, and it's like we expect them to get a part-time job or full-time job, finish school, and these kids weren't prepared, didn't have the skills, you know. You know, I started working as a teen, and, you know, I had my driver's license and things like that, and it was difficult for these kids to kind of have those experiences. So amazing, amazing perspectives, and... and uh, you have actually written about some of this stuff on our blog at fostercare.com. And one of them that was really, I think, uh, resonant with a lot of folks was the piece you did and what it takes to be a successful foster parent. Can you talk a little bit about the considerations that you feel are important for those who might be thinking about fostering? Oh, a lot of different uh, qualities come to mind with the foster parents. Um, again, being flexible and a willingness to adapt. I mean, every child has their own needs, and um, what works for one may not work for another. So you kind of got to go with the flow. Um, families that can really celebrate those daily successes. Um, you know, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. You're going to have good days, and there's going to be tough days, and um, you celebrate what's working for you there. And I think parents who are really able to work as part of a team, that we're all in this together. You can't just do it on your own. You know, the caseworkers are there to help. Yeah, you have county workers. You have to focus on the child. Um, the birth family is part of that team as well. Um, so, again, to have a positive relationship there and not just to view, you know, each part of the team as an adversary. You know, that doesn't benefit anybody. It leads me to something that, that we had talked about before, and, and I was wondering, what would you say to a parent to parents who say they're, they're considering – becoming foster parents, but they're not certain that their particular parenting style might work with, quote-unquote, foster kids. Um, parenting in general is hard work, um, regardless of the kids. Um, I think those parents that are um, more adaptable and can identify each child's needs are successful. I like to compare the parenting style to having a toolbox. I mean, I kind of grew up, my dad and grandfather owned a hardware store, so I was around tools. And you know, a hammer doesn't work for everything. Um, and as a parent, you can't always just use a hammer. Sometimes you need the wrench or a screwdriver or something, something different. So you know, yes, you might have your style that you're comfortable with, but there's other things out there, and it's really my job to help you give you different tools right. to help the kids succeed. That's a great analogy, That's, Rebecca. Let me uh, 
take you into this uh, conversation. Um, you are based out of Williamsport, uh, which is a little, little bit smaller, a little bit more rural than um, Bethlehem, where Brian is. I'm wondering if there are any particular challenges that you've found in finding people to be foster parents in a more rural or a smaller community setting. One of the primary differences is just number of people per square mile. My husband and I are transplants from the Philadelphia region. And when we first moved out to North Central PA, we just couldn't believe the lack of people, you know. Um, now that we've been there for a while, it just seems normal. But the biggest challenge is convincing people that it is okay. Um, foster children are not some kind of horrible things. They're precious children who just want to have a home and want to be loved. And when we can reach people, no matter where they live, just that these kiddos need them, that is our biggest way to find people to become foster parents. Are there particular things you found that can help you overcome sort of that, that reluctance, those challenges? We do a lot of community events. We're out in the community. Um, our office makes slime a lot with children to kind of... I'm, I'm sorry, we have to go back. Makes... Slime. Slime. You know, the fun slime. The, ah, the okay. slimy stuff that no parent really <laughs> wants their kids to have. But we make it at our community events just because it gives us an opportunity to interact with the adults so that they can ask the questions of what if I'm not qualified or what does it take to become a parent of a child in need? And that's... We also... Um, we're very active on our Facebook page. We we still use newspapers because at our region, a lot more people read newspapers than I remember from out east. So we do a lot of really targeted community events. We reach into our community. We talk to our, our special clubs like the Rotary Club, things like that, get involved in their activities and help them to see that we can be an extension of their support of the community. Now, uh, folks may not realize that there are actually different kinds of foster care. And we talked a little bit about that, uh, Brian had mentioned before. Can you briefly explain sort of to the layman audience what's, what's involved with what we call therapeutic foster care versus traditional foster care? Absolutely. I think that's one of the big struggles is to figure out what is that fine line. Typically, a therapeutic foster home is one that has a little bit more training. So there's a, a there's a higher level of standards. They take a few more classes. They're a little bit more equipped to handle excessive behaviors. A child that's in a therapeutic foster home probably is either on their way to a residential facility or on their way from. So it's kind of like the step, that intermediate step between a regular resource home and a residential facility. You mentioned training. What what type of training do do kids piece foster parents go through? Thankfully, we have an amazing pre-service training. Um, I my husband and I have been a foster parent for twenty years, and so we've experienced a lot of pre-service. And I have found that kids piece totally prepares a at least sets the groundwork for a family to become successful in the role. We talk a lot about grief and loss. Like, what, what does it look like? How can we use our experiences as adults to help children as they're going through grief and loss? We talk about the, the system. What is the system? You know, what do all these terms mean? There's a lot in the foster care world. And if you don't understand them, you might get a phone call from someone and 
feel lost. Um, and we go through resiliency and we talk about the brain and we talk about all of these things so that we at least give the tools that Brian was talking about to these parents so they can become effective in their taking care of these traumatized children. A tool that's a little bit new nowadays, I suppose, from, from early days of foster care is obviously the internet, social media. Um, I do want to give you a shout out. You're one of the administrators of our Kids Peace Pennsylvania foster care uh, Facebook page. You do a great job with that. What role do you see these new uh, technologies in terms of communications? Are they, are they helping, hurting, or having some sort of influence in terms of how foster care is conducted these days? I think like anything in life, there are extreme positives and there's also the negatives. I know that for Kids Peace, we really work on our page to, to inspire. We want to inspire whether you are a resource parent with us, whether you are an you know, average person that doesn't have children, if you have a million children, it doesn't matter. We want to inspire you to become the best that you can be, that in your life, you can reach forward and help a child in need. And I think that social media allows us to reach more people than we would. Um, I'm old enough to know a time before cell phones and before the internet, and it's a lot different. You know, when we were talking about Williamsport still reading newspapers, if you ask the average millennial about newspapers, they won't have probably picked one up. And so by using social media, we can cross generation gaps and we can allow people of all ages to understand the need that we have for parents, for people to take care of these at-risk children. Excellent. Let me ask you this. Do you find that there are any sort of pervasive myths or misconceptions about foster care that you or your colleagues often have to challenge when you're out talking to people that you might be thinking about becoming foster parents? Brian, what do you think? I, I think the biggest one is, you know, what's the foster parent look like? I mean, we have foster parents of all walks of life. I mean, age, state says as long as you're 21 years and older, you know, you qualify there. So we have people who are, you know, just starting out. Maybe they don't have children of their own. They could be single. They could be in a relationship. Um, they could be married couples. Um, um, you know, they may have had children of their own. We have retirees who still, you know, they the nest is empty. They still want to help children, and they help us out that way. Um, so it really is not there. There isn't a stereotypical. This is a foster parent. It's two point five four children, and and they live in this kind of house and everything else. It, it right. Everybody the has their own strengths and things. Um, we have same sex couples. Again, they they have um, a role in helping some of the children. So it's kind of what what strengths do you bring to the table, and how can we match up children with you? Rebecca, anything that comes to mind with you? Yes. The big one that I hear a lot is I have to be rich. Or I'm, you know, so either I have too much money or I don't have enough. Very few people say they have too much money. But the biggest one is I don't have enough money. You have to be rich. You have to have a big, huge house. You have to have the white picket fence. And if you don't have all of these things, then you're not qualified. And actually, it's probably the opposite. I know it's the opposite, that the legal requirement with the state of Pennsylvania is that you can, that you show financial stability. Kids Peace says that that means that you have to meet your bills and have some left over. Um, for different people, that will mean different things. And so we chat about your budget, we do. Um, 
but it there's not this wow if you don't have this amount in your bank account you're just not qualified there's no longer that need i imagine that um you, you and your colleagues in kidsby's foster care are seeing what some might call some of the most terrible aspects of our society in your work. You're seeing children who may have been neglected or abused or children who are forced to endure trauma of all types, even really before they're old enough to comprehend what trauma really is. So let me ask you kind of an unfair question. I'll give it to both of you. Why do you do it? What makes you excited about this? And, and Brian, I'm going to come to you too because you, you've been doing this for a long time. Why? Well, I think every child deserves a chance. Um, yes, and you do hear horror stories, and when you think it gets bad and can't get worse, something else comes along. And um, these kids deserve the help that's out there. And why not, rather than why, you know? Um, and I think, too, you know, I'm not out here alone. It's not just me. You know, there's a great team, there's people, caseworkers, you know, the parents. Um, you know, we're all kind of helping. So, you know, it's, it's not just me. I couldn't do it by myself. Rebecca, what do you think? For mine, both as a foster parent and as someone who works for the organization, ours, my husband and I have always said, if not us, then who's going to do it? If we're not willing, if we don't take that step of faith and, you know, invite a stranger into our home and do our best to help them become successful adults, if we don't, who will? When I was a child, I had mentors. I had people who stepped in and really met needs in my life that my parents just weren't able to just by nature of being parents. And we see our role as foster parents, especially because we're a teen girl home, as that mentor. How can we step in and meet it? And if we don't, who will? As a staff member, if Kids Peace wasn't here, who would be helping these kids? Who would help them get from traumatized to typical? And I think that's that's got to be a, a compelling argument when you have somebody who might be on the fence to be able to say, well, like you just said, if it's not you, who's going to do it? And and to make them come through on that. Yes. Um, super. And again, we thank you both for being here. It's time for our final question. Um, each time we ask our guests to give us what we call their best life hack. Now, this can be a piece of advice. It can be a tip on how to do a household chore well, or maybe it's just the inspiration you need to get through to the end of the day. So I start with Brian, so I'm going to start with Rebecca now. Rebecca, what's your best life hack? When it's done, it's done. When an argument is over, it's done. When a consequence is finished, it's done. It, tomorrow, you don't bring up the past. We don't have to live in the yuck. We truly can move forward. It's done. That is, that is a great philosophy, and, and I'm just, as you say that, I'm thinking my own life, thinking how much time I spend every day thinking that. You know, thank you. Brian, how about you? Uh, my life hack is, is, is kind of for the foster parents and those considering, um, you know, some people worry, you know, I'm going to get too attached and my heart's going to get broken. And I tell them, you need to attach, and yes, it's going to hurt, you know, if kids go home and things like that. Um, but you think, too, you know, what these kids have gone through the abuse and the situations they've gone through. They've endured a lot more than, than we can imagine. And I say, we're human. We're more than just a heart. You know, yes, your heart's going to hurt, but then, you know, use your brain. Um, know that, you know, for these children, being reunited with family, you know, is a need and a goal that they have. And know that you're making a difference, you know, with the kids. 
and finally kind of go with the gut or spirit or soul that kind of know deep down that, you know, you, you are having a positive impact with the child. Think of it as, you know, planting a seed. You know, you don't see the results right away, but, you know, someday that kid's going to look back and something's going to be there. Then you started that. So, again, kind of use, you know, go beyond the heart. Yes, that's a big piece of it, but, you know, there, there's more to it. Well, you use the term making a difference. Both of you are making a difference, as are your colleagues in Kids Peace Foster Care, and we really want to thank you for being here today. Brian Hostetter is with Kids Peace's Bethlehem, Pennsylvania Foster Care Office. Rebecca Cade is with our Williamsport Office. Now, in addition to Pennsylvania, Kids Peace's Foster Care Office is in Maine, New York, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, and Indiana. For information on how to contact a Kids Peace Office near you, go to fostercare.com and click on the Locations button. Thanks for joining us and listening today. We hope that you join us again for more Conversations with Kids Peace. Take care. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions about our Conversations podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Go to www.kidspeace.org to learn more about the series and share your thoughts. 